put God first and don't do life alone. That's, that's number two. Don't do life alone. That's right. Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. And I've been in a series on tales from the darkness. And we've been looking at stories of God moving in dark seasons of life, dark periods in history, uh, dark moments in people's lives. And today, we're going to look at Gideon. And to give you the context surrounding the story of this man named Gideon, it was, it was a terrible time in Israel's history. There were no king. There was no king. The Bible says that there was no king in the times of the judges. People did as they wanted to do. There was no law and order. There was the Israelites have forsaken God, and for, for that, God had allowed the, the enemies to occupy and wreak havoc on the Israelites. The, the, the enemy was the Midianites. The Midianites would be the terrorists of the day. They ravaged the land. They uh, stole the livestock, stole the crops, burned the homes, just terrorized the Israelites. And it sent the Israelites into hiding. They were hiding in caves and mountains and dens and wherever, wherever the man of the house could, could take his family to protect. That they, would, they would try to find a safe space. And there was a farmer named Gideon who was found hiding. Judges 11, 6 verse 11 says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abizrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. He's threshing wheat in a wine press. And this is significant because the threshing floors of the day where, where the wheat was threshed, they were, they were on the high places. The threshing floors were on top of the mountains where you had the, the mountain breezes that would blow. And the farmer would take the, the weed and, and with the fork and he would lift it up in the air and, and the wind would blow away the, the chaff and the wheat, the kernels of the wheat would settle. But here he's threshing wheat in a wine press. Wine presses were constructed in the valleys, in the low place. Gideon's hiding. That's what he's doing. He's hiding. He's, he's trying to protect himself. He's, but but he, he's got to eat. He's got to provide. He's, he's, he's not only trying to protect himself, but he's trying to protect the, the wheat from the enemy. And I'm preaching today hiding in the darkness. Hiding in the darkness. Here's a nation in hiding. Here's a farmer in hiding. Gideon is hiding. We'll actually find out shortly we'll read in the next few verses that Gideon carried the feeling of not enough I'm not enough I don't have what it takes I'm not enough I, I, I'm not sufficient to defend my family not enough not sufficient not enough to defend my farm not enough to defend my home there's there's too much pressure and so he's found hiding in the darkness you know, it's a natural reaction to want to hide in the darkness when the going gets tough. You know, you got the saying, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Well, well most people, when the going gets tough, we run, we hide. <laughs> we retreat. When I feel I'm not enough, hide. When I'm not enough to 
fulfill what my spouse is looking for, my kids are looking for, hide. When I'm not enough to live up to everyone's expectations, hide. When I'm not enough to handle the pressures of life, hide. You ever felt like you're not enough and you just want to hide? The rest of you are in hiding right now. <laughs> Welcome to church. Welcome to church. Because I, I, I feel like that. I, I felt like hiding, running, hiding. You know, it, it's interesting here that, that Gideon's found working while hiding. He's doing what he does. He's a farmer, so he's, he's hiding, but he's doing what he does well. He's, he's doing what he's familiar with. He's doing what he's enough at doing. See, that's how guys hide. You know, most guys, we're not going to run, hide in our room and binge watch Netflix and cry ourselves to sleep and, and just lifetime movies over and over, stupid, you know, romance. But, but what we'll do is we'll hide behind our work. That's what Gideon's doing. We'll hide behind the familiar place. We'll hide behind the things that, that we're good at hiding that we're good at. We'll hide on the fishing lake, right? Instead of hiding and cowering in, in isolation, we'll go, we'll, we'll hide on the lake. We're going to get away. We're going to hide on the lake. We're going to hide in the deer stand. I like hiding on the deer stand. <laughs> and catch them deer when they come out of hiding. I'm telling you. <laughs> I lost all, some of the PETA people in here. The, the, the animal rights, sorry, sorry. I like meat better, better than vegetables. I'm just sorry. Y'all eat your vegetables. I'm eating meat, baby. Meat. We'll hide at the job. We'll hide behind projects. We'll hide behind things we know we're enough at. See, Gideon is in hiding, this cowardly farmer. Look at verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. <laughs> That's an oxymoron. Gideon's not a mighty man of valor, is he? He's a coward. He's, hi he's hiding, he's threshing wheat down low in a wine press. But see, here's the thing you've got to understand about the Lord. It's that God doesn't call us according to how others see us or even how we see ourselves. He calls us according to how he sees us. Gideon, I know you're hiding. I know you're fearful. I, I, I know you're scared. I, I know you, you might even see yourself as a coward. But God's saying, I see you as a conqueror. Gideon, though the, the nation is in sin, Gideon is still a covenant child of God. And God's saying, you're, you're, you might be a coward, but I see you as a child of God. And I've called you to be a mighty man of valor. So you've got to see yourself how God sees you if you're hiding in the darkness. That's encouraging for those hiding in the darkness. Because if you're in Christ, if you have been saved by the grace of God, the, the Apostle Paul says you're in Christ, with Christ, through Christ, of Christ. If you're in Christ, regardless of how you see yourself, God sees you as his covenant child. And your identity is now based upon the identity of Jesus Christ. In other words, God sees you as he sees his son, Jesus. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He's a new creation. He's a new creature. 
The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That means the coward you is passed away. That shameful you, that condemned you is passed away. The old sin nature is passed away. You're a new person with a new identity in Christ. Say, my identity is in Christ. This is important right here if you're hiding in the, in the darkness. And I've got, I've got three uh, points, three things that we need to embrace if we're hiding in the darkness. Number one, embrace the identity God calls you by. If you're hiding in the darkness right now, you've probably allowed others to define your identity rather than God's. Maybe you're allowing a failure to define who you are. Maybe an insecurity. Maybe an illness. Maybe you're even trying to live with someone else's identity. Trying to be like so-and-so. Trying to be like him. Trying to be like her. Trying to be like, like the superstar and, and the dancer and the pop star. And in, in the 90s, when I was a teenager, we, we wanted to be like Mike. I want to be like Mike. Anybody remember? I want to be like Mike, the Gatorade commercials. <laughs> but no, you, you, you don't need to be like Mike. You need to be like you, like Keith, like Stephen. You need to be like you, who God created, not, don't, not to be like Stephen or Keith. <laughs> be Insert your name. <laughs> Young people, society is going to try to label you. They're going to try to define you. They're going to try to tell you who you are. Even secu secular colleges especially. Guard your mind. They're going, they're, I'm telling you, it is what it is. You've you got to be tough going off to college. You've got to know who you are in Christ. You've got to know... You got to know Creator God when they try to indoctrinate you with evolution and all that kind of stuff. You need to know Creator God. Don't, don't even let your professors define you. Society tries to put a letter on the young people, don't they? Otherwise known as LGBTQIA+. And they're going to add some more. And they're going to add some more. See, they're trying to define. They're trying to define you. Don't let society define you. You are defined by how God sees you. You're defined by, by what God says about you. Trying to live with a counterfeit identity doesn't work. You've got to embrace who you are. You've got to embrace the identity God calls you. Don't live with a counterfeit identity. There, there's so many. There's so, and I, I'm glad. Thanks, young people, for being. Thanks for graduating because we get you here today. <laughs> Because, because I, I, I'm telling you, you're going to be pressured to live up to this identity or live up to the society. You, it's like you're not this, but society will keep telling you you're that until you think you're that. I know young people who, just to get frank with you, I know young people who struggled with homosexuality. Because, and the reason they struggled with it, it's not because they had the feelings, it's because society tried to induct, you're this way, you're this way, you're this way. So they were just acting out what society was telling them. Come to find out, they was as straight as an arrow. Come to find out, they were a child of God. Come to find out, it was back to Genesis 1-1, and, and God created man, and out of man came, they, because they've recognized their identity in Jesus Christ. You are who God created you to be. God defines who you are. 
Not anyone else. Not anyone else. Not even your parents. You know, your parents don't even define who you are. God defines who you are. Because there's some parents, I know there's probably some parents out there, you're telling your kids you dumb, you stupid, you ain't going to, no, I reject that in Jesus' name. You are a child of God. You are more than a conqueror. You can do all things through Christ. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The Bible says in Ephesians 1, 4, before the foundation of the world, you have been chosen, chosen. That's who you are. When you discover who you really are in Christ, you'll step out of that cave. You'll step, oh my goodness, I can just be me. Only you can be you. It's liberating being me. It's liberating being who God called us to be. Look at verse 14. Go in this might of yours, God said, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? But look what Gideon says. But Lord, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. And I am the least in my entire family. In other words, I'm not enough. I don't have what it takes. The Lord said to him, I will be with you. You will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. And if you keep reading, Gideon, he's, like, he's still not convinced that this is God. He, this just doesn't seem, is this true? Am I really speaking to God? So, so, so it says that he, he prepared a sacrifice and the fire of God as a sign came up out of the rocks of the altar and consumed the sacrifice. Getting God's like, okay, you believe me now? You believe me now? He consumed that fire. So Gideon was convinced. And look what God told him in verse 23. Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. Or in Hebrew, it's the name Jehovah Shalom. This is the first time in the Bible that the name Jehovah Shalom appears. First time God identifies himself as Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace, is before a man who has no peace. The the word Shalom in Hebrew, or godly peace, means so much more than tranquility means so much more than an absence of conflict. It means completeness, protection, welfare, health. Hebrew is shalom. In the Greek, a similar word is salvation, soteria. Shalom, salvation, if we're in Christ, we've received salvation. They're, sim- they're one and the same. Completeness, protection, welfare, health. God's not only revealing the identity God is called, that Gideon is called to be, but he's also revealing his own identity as Jehovah Shalom, the embodiment, the fullness of completion, protection, safety, welfare. God is preparing Gideon. God is preparing Gideon. God is showing Gideon that peace is not about an absence of conflict. Peace is not even the reward for winning the conflict. See, see, nations go to battle, they fight for peace. No, peace is God's presence and protection in the midst of the battle. In the midst of the conflict. 
Gideon, you're going to war. Gideon, you're going to face a conflict. But Gideon, you're not fighting for peace. You're fighting with my peace. Therefore, you will be protected. I will be victor- you will be victorious. I will be with you. Here's number two if you're hiding in the darkness. Embrace the peace of God. Embrace the peace of God. If you're hiding in the darkness, it's probably a sign that you haven't embraced God's peace. If you're hiding in the darkness, it's probably because you're trying to avoid a conflict. If you're hiding, it's probably because you're trying to create your own peace. I'm going to withdraw. I'm going to go to my cocoon. I'm hiding. Why are you hiding? Because you don't want conflict, right? See, see we've, we think isolation is a form of peace. But the Bible says a person who isolates himself seeks his own desire. You're not going to find peace in isolation. You're not going to find peace trying to create your own peace. Let me tell you something. You get to your own, you lock everybody out in your world, you lock yourself up, I guarantee you, you're not going to find peace. Well, I don't want to go, I'm, I, I got to stay, I, I want peace, I want peace. You want to know why you're not going to find peace? Because when, when you're alone by yourself, that means you're stuck with yourself. And there ain't no peace inside yourself. This side of you is saying this, this side of you, and your brain is swirling around. And I mean, you are not going to find peace in yourself, by yourself, and of yourself. Maybe you're trying to hide from personal problems. Maybe husband, wife, you're hiding from each other. You don't want to come home from the job. You're You're hiding away. If I stay away, there'll be peace. Oh, I know, how, I know how to have happiness and bliss in marriage. You go to your room, I'll go to my room. You watch what you want, I'll watch. Oh, there'll be peace, right? There'll be peace. There'll be happiness. If I hide behind my work, there'll be peace. But remember, God's peace is never about an absence of conflict. It's about God's presence and protection in the midst of conflict. Young person, don't hide from your future because you're fearful of conflict. Newsflash. This world is one big conflict. It's one big conflict. Older person, stop hiding from your past because you're traumatized by past conflict. Yeah, you preaching to the young kids. Oh, face the conflict, but, but, you, but you're stuck in the conflict. You're, you're stuck traumatized by past events. Stop making excuses. Stop making excuses. One of, one of, the, uh, one of the callings of being a pastor is, is you, you hear more excuses than anybody else in creation. <laughs> excuse one-on-one. Handle, hand, how to handle the excuses. I never took that, that course in college. How to handle the excuses. Here, here's how it is. Here's how it is. When you ask somebody to do a ministry, here's what, here's what church folks say. Well, I'll pray about it. Knowing you ain't going to pray about it. Just go ahead and say no. <laughs> I know you're lying. I know. Dude, this, I, I mean, I'm, I'm past rookie stage. I'm past. Just say no. I'd rather you say no than make excuses and lie to me. 
Stop making excuses about your past. Stop making excuse. Stop blaming your hiding on your emotional issues, your, your, your anxiety, your hurts. Because I know that there's, there's people that, that they, they use these excuses of, of whether, even depression. I know there's clinical depression. I know there's chemical imbalances. I know there's issues. I know people need certain medications. I get it. I've preached on this before. I've preached on mental health before. But you still can't use that as an excuse to stay in hiding because it doesn't matter. You're not going to find peace in hiding. Embrace the peace of God. Embrace the peace of God, come out of the hiding, and let Jehovah Shalom be with you and protect you every step of the way. That's what he did to Gideon. I promise you, you might not feel like coming out. You might not think you're able to come out. You might not even want to come out of hiding. But I promise, if you take the step, hello world, Jehovah Shalom will grab you and he'll carry you through. He'll, he'll do it. He'll do it. He'll do it. That's why the pandemic, all the isolation, we were like, Jehovah Shalom, carry us back to church, man. Carry us back to church. We, at Pan, we've been in church. We're coming to church. We're worshiping God. So, so flip over to chapter 7. Gideon, the cowardly farmer, the one who's hiding because he wasn't enough, God calls him to be the commander of Israel's 32,000-man army. I mean, isn't that something? Cowardly farmer. <laughs> Sifting wheat in a wine press. Mr. Not Enough. Mr. I Can't. Mr. I'm the Least. God calls him a mighty man of valor and says, I want you to be the general of my army. Now, ain't that something right there? The only problem is the Midianite army is 135,000. 32,000, 135,000. Now, that, those are not good odds. I bet Gideon's probably like, man, I, I wish you would just left me here in the wine press, man. I, I don't want to be no general in your army. But to make matters worse, look in chapter 7, verse 2. The Lord says to Gideon, the 32,000 that you have with you right now, they're too many. For me to give the Midianites into their hands. Lest Israel, lest you boast about it. Lest Israel claim glory for itself against me. Saying, my own hand has saved me. <laughs> Gideon's, Gideon's thinking, I'm not enough. We're not enough. But on the other hand, God's saying, you've got too much. That's what, you're too much. Lest you think you're the ones. To take the victory. You're the ones who gain this victory. Look at verse 3. Now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people saying, whoever is fearful. In the hearing, you're a 32,000 man army. Say this to them. Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people said, I'm afraid. Bye bye. See you later. I'm going home. 32,000 minus 22,000. 10,000 people. Against 135,000. Now we're even getting lower and, and lower. But, but God says, that's still too much. And basically what God does, if you, if you read the story, he, say, he tells Gideon, take those 10,000 men, go down to the brook, 
have those 10,000 men drink water. The ones who put their face down to the, to the spring and drink, you tell those guys, go home. But the ones who lap the water, who, who reach the hand down and bring it up to their mouth, those are the ones that I'm going to use. Only 300 men were left. 300 men against 135,000 men. This mighty army. How many of y'all watched the Kentucky Derby last Saturday? Was that all? That was just an amazing event. The horse that won the race wasn't even scheduled to be in the race. This long shot came in the race. The second largest long shot in history comes by, wins. I, I mean, I ain't a betting man, but I wish I would have put money on that horse right there now. Mm. 80 to 1 odds. 80 to rich strike. Yeah, you, you bet on rich strike, you're going to be rich. Those people. I read where uh, some, some superstar it was like the birthday, the 21st birthday, and the horse was number 21, so they put money on the 21, and all of a sudden they, they won. But, but, but 80 to 1 odds. 300 to 135,000 is 450 to 1 odds. So you think Rich Strike was a long shot. This is the long shot of all long shots. It's 450 to 1 odds. But verse 7 says, Then the Lord said to Gideon, By the 300 men who lapped, I'll save you. I'll save you. Don't worry. At 300, it's just a number. I'll save you. I'll deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let them go away. Let them go away. I'm going to save you. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to be with you just by those 300. What in the world's God doing here? We started the story with Gideon hiding because he's not enough. But God's actually trying to let Gideon see that, that not enough is actually the place you need to be. As a matter of fact, your army was too much. I had to get your army to not enough. The point is, God's trying to get Gideon to see you're not enough, but I am. You're not enough, but I'm sufficient. I'm all you need. I'm all you need. I'm all you need. You know, in, in Sunday school, we're, we, we grow up hearing about Gideon. Gideon and his 300 defeated the Midianite army. No, Gideon. Th this is not Gideon and 300 against the Midianites. This is God against the Midianites. One of the names of, for God is El Shaddai, which means the overpowering, more than enough God. And the way to really get to know El Shaddai, the overpowering, more than enough God, is to get to the place where you recognize you're not enough. Because when we're not enough, when we recognize we're not enough, that's when God can be more than enough for us. Gideon, you've got too much but when you get to the place of not enough, I promise you, I will be more than enough for you. And my last point, if you're hiding in the darkness, embrace the fact. Embrace the fact we're not enough. But God is. 
This is an important point to me. Because I've got this issue, I've got an issue with all these statements all over Facebook and TikTok and Instagram. You're enough. You're enough. You're enough. You got motivational speakers, you got bloggers. You're enough. You're enough. You're enough. You can do it. You're enough for your kids. You're enough for your job. You're enough for your spouse. You're enough for whatever you do. And, and we're hearing that you're enough. You're enough. Maybe young people, maybe you're teaching. You're enough. You're enough. Even Christian teachers, even preachers are, are preaching. You're enough. You're enough. Not realizing that this whole concept of you're enough actually originated from the New Age movement. Mm-hmm. You will not find one single you're enough verse in the Bible. You're enough. You're enough is New Ageism. It doesn't come from God's Word. You're enough is the New Age teaching of self-love. The idea is that if we love ourselves, everything in our lives will be right. Just got to love myself. Love myself. I found fulfillment in myself. Love yourself. You'll find contentment. You'll find peace. Love yourself. Love your Welcome to the 21st century form of idolatry. The idol is self. Isn't it a shame that churches are promoting idolatry, the idolatry of self, all these self-help little ditties and little sermons. Preachers, again, if they're not even opening up the Bible, they're just giving us, you're enough, you're enough, you're enough, you're enough. You're enough, self-love, it's idolatry. It's about me. It's all about my happiness. It's all about pampering myself, loving myself, putting myself above all. Now, look, I want you to understand me. I'm not saying that you're not to take care of yourself. I'm not saying you, you know, you, you don't go pamper yourself or go to a spa or I'm not saying ladies don't wear makeup or please wear makeup. Please wear makeup. I'm not saying just comb your hair. Shave your head. Ladies, I don't I mean do whatever you got to do. <laughs> Never mind. Do whatever you got to do. To do whatever you want to, to do whatever you want to. Make yourself feel good. Here's the point, though. Put some deodorant. Yes, please, put some deodorant on. Put some deodorant. Brush your teeth. All right. Now we're having a hygiene class today. But the whole, I, the whole New Age idea of you're your enough and self-love, it's anti-biblical. It's the antithesis of the gospel. Here's what I'm trying to get to. Self-love is about what I can do for myself, but the gospel is about what God through Christ has done for me. Amen. The fact is, no amount of self-love, self-enoughness, will satisfy you and bring you the peace and confidence and contentment you're looking for in life. Brush your teeth, comb your hair, get a makeup, get a do-over, get a nip and a tuck and a hack and a whack and do whatever you want to do. Get your lips like this right here, like them, like them housewives, them stupid, they look, walking around their lips and, and they look like this walking around. And they're like, I mean, you can, you can do that and guess what? You ain't going to find peace and contentment 
and like, watch the housewives show. There ain't no peace on those stupid shows. No peace. No peace. Why? Listen, self is not enough, and self will never be enough. The answer is not in self-love, but it's in God's love. God's love. The answer's not in me trying to love myself more and more. The answer is me knowing more and more that God loves me in spite of me, in spite of my failures. And, and, and he loves me unconditionally with a one-way love, no strings attached. It's not about me doing for myself. It's about recognizing what God through Christ has done for me. That's the gospel. Ephesians 2 verse 4. Here I, I tell you there's no self enough verses in the Bible. As a matter of fact, the opposite is in the Bible. Look at Ephesians 2 verse 4. It says, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were enough and enlightened. Is that what it says? What's it say? Even when we were And stinky and decaying when we were not enough Christ loved us and do you understand that Christ loves you not because you're lovable because you're not lovable I'm not lovable Christ loves you Christ loves me because Christ is love it's his nature that's another false teaching. God loves you because you're worthy of love. We're not worthy of anything. We're dead. We're decaying in our sins. Christ loves us because Christ loves us. Because Christ loves us. He made us alive together with Christ by grace. You have been saved. Paul wrote this and Paul's, he's driving this point in. We're not just not enough. Paul's saying you're less than not enough. But grace. But God's grace is enough. We're dead. But God's grace made us alive. See, religion teaches that, that the gospel is about good people becoming better. But the Bible says the gospel is about dead people coming to life. Stinky people, lost people becoming found. I'm not enough. You're not enough. We'll never be enough. That's okay. God's enough. God's enough. God is sufficient. When you stop hiding because you're not enough. When you start trusting in the one who is enough. God will be more than enough for you. He'll be more than enough for you. When you get to that place, if you're stepping out, you're going to college, you're going into work field, you know what? I'm not enough, but I'm trusting in the one who is enough, and the one who is enough will be more than enough for me. That's my story. That's, that's just my story, just step after step, just finding the enoughness of God. You know, when I was a young guy, I tried to have this resume, and I tried to be this, 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 this. I used to get frustrated because why, why isn't this happening? Why isn't this happening? I got this talent. I got that. But, but it was when I just surrendered and just realized I'm not enough, all of a sudden the more than enoughness of God came into my world and brought me victory. And see, that's what happened to Gideon. To finish the story, those 300 men, it's such a cool story. They separate into three, three groups. 
And they're up on the hill looking down over the, over the valley, that, that valley that's below. And, and, uh, and it says that they all have clay pots and they smash those clay pots on the ground resembling a, a mighty crash. And, and they blow the shofar and they shout out in unison, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And, and it overwhelmed this 135,000 men army. And, and God says that, that he just sent confusion and they started killing each other and, and they ran away. And Israel gained the victory. Let me say, Israel gained the victory. Israel didn't win the victory. God won the victory. Israel stepped into the victory. They stepped in. See, that's how the believer lives life. We don't have to win a single victory. Matter of fact, you can't win a victory. We step into the victory that God through Christ has already provided for us. No matter how dense your darkness, no matter how big the enemy God will turn you into a person you never knew you could become if you'll come out of hiding. He'll give you such supernatural peace if you step out of hiding. He'll give you a new identity. And when you realize you're not enough, God will be more than enough for you. I wish I could just express to you how liberating it is to be not enough. You know how liberating it is? I'm not, I'm not going to allow you to put me on a standard up here. I'm not going to allow you to do that. Yeah, no, no, I'm not enough. <laughs> I'm not enough. People look at the pastor like you're supposed to be some, some person way up here, you know, like, like the second coming or whatever, and you're up here. Look, I got the same pain as you. I got the same hurts as you. I got the same sins as you. I got the same struggles. The, the only difference, I'm willing to admit it and recognize I'm not enough. I'm dead in trespasses, but God's grace is enough. God's grace is Oh, I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. And you can be free too, and you can come out of hiding. Man, it's, it's, lib <laughs> it's fun being out of high. Man, it's a pretty world. Man, look at the blue skies. You didn't even know all this was around here. Whoo, man, it's just free, liberating. Just everybody go, ah, I'm out of high. Whoo, whoo. Oh, bow your heads if you would. <laughs> God, we thank you for your enoughness. We thank you for the enoughness of Christ. The sufficiency of the cross. I can't save myself. I'm not enough. I can't even stay saved on my own. I'm not enough. But the cross is enough. The blood is enough. For by one offering, he's perfected forever those who have trusted in Jesus, who are set apart, who are sanctified. If you're here today and you don't know that you know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, if you don't know that you know that, that the, the salvation of God God is within you. If you don't know, if you're not 100% sure that you're going to heaven when you leave this earth, you can know for sure today. 1 John says, these things I write that you might know that you have everlasting life. And the first step, the first step, doesn't matter what religion, it doesn't matter what, what churches say, it doesn't matter what the catechism says, it doesn't matter what the, what, whatever it is says. The first way first way is to recognize I'm not enough. I cannot save myself. I'm not just not enough. I'm less than not enough. I'm not just a sinner. I'm less than a sinner. I'm less. I'm less. I'm less. Didn't John the Baptist say I must decrease so that Christ 
The lower you go in your own estimation, the higher God will elevate you. Recognize I need to be saved. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if you want to get this thing sure today, if you want to get it sure today that you are saved, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And pray from your heart, right from your seat. Pray with me. Say, God, I know I'm not enough. I know that I cannot save myself. I trust in Christ. I trust in the sufficiency of Christ. I know in my flesh I'm dead in my sins. I'm putting all my hope and all my trust in Jesus. See, this is all it is. It's not a formality. You just got to come to the place you're acknowledging, I need Jesus. I need Jesus to save me. I call upon him to save you. Jesus, save me. I'm not enough, but you're enough. The cross is enough. You went to the cross to die for me. You rose from the grave for me to give me life. I make you my Lord and Savior. I want to live for you. I want to follow you. I want to be a disciple of God. I want to be a child of God all the days of my life. Forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. See, there's, a, there's an element of repentance in there as well. You got to repent. You got to repent. God, forgive me. The Bible says if you, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. So, Father, I just pray in Jesus' name for those that, are, that have prayed that prayer of salvation. God, I just pray that you would secure it in their soul, Father. Secure it in their soul. Hide that, hide that, in, that word in their heart, Father, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hey, keep your heads bowed. I want to pray for those that you're trying to be something you're not. You're trying to be someone you're not. You're trying to be enough when you know you're not enough. Maybe there's someone here today. Maybe you're a Christian. Maybe you're a believer, but you've allowed others to define you. You've allowed others to put pressures on you, to put enoughness on you that you know you could never attain. You need peace. You need peace. You need God's presence. You need, you need wisdom. You're, you're in, in hiding. You need the strength to come out. You're praying for courage to come out of hiding. And I want to pray for you right now. If, if any of that defines you, I want you to slip up your hand so I can pray for you. I know no one's looking around. I need to come out of hiding. I'm not going to allow others to define me. I, I want to see myself as Christ sees me. I want the God of peace. I've been trying to, I've been searching for my own peace. But I'm yielding to Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. Father, I just pray in Jesus' name. I pray you, you see all the hands. You see the hands that are lifted, the hearts that are lifted. Those that are in here today that, that recognize they're in the cave, they're, they're in hiding. Father, I just pray, Jehovah Shalom, that you would grant to them the peace that passes all understanding, that it would guard their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I pray, Father, that, that they would see themselves as you see them. See, your word says in Ephesians 1, Paul prayed. He says, I pray that you might have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. See, what you need, if, if you're having identity issues, you, you need to learn who Jesus is. You need to have that spirit of revelation who Jesus is. The more you get to know Jesus, the more you'll get to know yourself. You're in Christ, of Christ. You're not Christ, but you're in Him. You're with Him. He's in you. That's how you need to see yourself. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name, the peace of God. Father, I pray that, that, that we would discover you're enough. You're enough. You're enough for us. In Jesus' name, we decree, we declare it. Amen. 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 I want you to stand. We're going to sing a, a closing song of worship.